Welcome back to the Salon Plus Podcast. My name is Josh Wofford, and across the desk from me is... John Nicholson. John Nicholson. Now, here's something funny, John. Uh, Whenever uh, I've been out and about, and I've been talking with people, and they'll ask me, how's my dad doing? (laughs) And I'll say, well, he's all right. How do you know my dad? (laughs) You know, is there something wrong with my dad that I don't know? And I say, well, isn't he the pastor of Salon Baptist Church? (laughs) Well, no. <laughs> I do consider you my son in the ministry. How about that? In ministry and the faith, but not biologically. And I just, I don't know. But I'd adopt you, Josh. I mean, you were, like, how yes, can people so look funny. at us? Like, you were, what, 6'3"? <laughs> yeah, six, I am. Four? And what are you, 1'7", uh, according to the police? I'm 1'7", according to the last speeding ticket I got. So, uh, a vast difference. Uh, all of you who and, listen uh, to the podcast, was, you'll be sure to ask Josh to tell you that story. Yeah. <laughs> and so, to, the last podcast, we talked about the Father. Right. Uh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And this week, we want to look at, I believe in Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ. his only Only son. Uh, And so, whereas uh, some people mistake me for your son, (laughs) we're not mistaking Jesus as the son. He truly is. He truly is. And that is an important distinction for us, because what we think about Jesus is the dividing line. Yeah. And to be sure that we have, if you will, the right Jesus. And this is partly what the creed does unpack for us right. to some extent. Uh, other creeds that would follow would really delve off into this to be sure that we were Yeah, it, it. it's pretty interesting that, you know, the Apostle Creed, probably one of the oldest in right. its earliest formulations, one of the oldest. Uh, because you get right after that what is called the Nicene Creed, uh, which happened at the Council of Nicaea. That is primarily determining, okay, what do we believe about the nature of the Son? Right. Uh, the Chalcedonian Creed, the same thing. Right. It just deals with a different aspect of them. Council of Nicaea, was he God? Uh, or is it the Athanasian Creed that determines that he was oh, also definitely man? Hang on a minute while I go uh, get my Christian history book and <laughs> I didn't refresh do, on that. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that right. I will now. probably uh, do more research on that before right. I actually preach on it uh, in a couple of weeks. But, but yeah, at uh, Nicaea, one of my favorite instances from church history occurs right, is where St. Right, Nicholas right. puts hands on uh who was it? Arius. Arius, that's right, uh, for spewing what was heresy at that point in time. Literally strikes him. Right. And, and it was over the nature of Jesus. Yes. Who was this Jesus? And we get here in the Apostles' Creed a very, probably for the lack of a better term, primitive form mm-hmm. of what the later creeds... I prefer are, early, but yeah. Early, yeah. <laughs> primitive yeah. sounds so bad. Yeah, like I said, lack of a better term, but early is a, a better idea. Uh, because the latter creeds will continue to expound upon the article that we're looking at. That's exactly today. right. Um, but so. even in our even in our present day, where we live, it's important that we are clear about who we're talking about when we're talking about Jesus. No, oh, yeah. Because the Mormons have an idea about Jesus, but it Sorry. is totally different. Yep. It's a different Jesus than we're talking about. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do. Absolutely. There are plenty of other sects out there that say, you know, Jesus was this or that. Even our Muslim friends would say he was a prophet. But to say that he is God. That's that's totally different. Different thing. Um, And so, well, let's go through this. Let's Uh, let's, Let's just go ahead and jump in. So what I want to do, I just want to go through this article kind of piece by piece. So I believe in Jesus Christ. 
Now, is Christ Jesus' last name? <laughs> no, it is his title. Oh, okay. It's that makes sense. Messiah in, yep. in the Hebrew. That's, it's the anointed one. It's the promised one. That's, that's all that that means. Uh, so uh, that's, and that's an important, again, I think that's an important distinctive mm-hmm. for us to, to understand who is that anointed one. Because we have the promise of the one who was coming, the yep. promised Messiah. But who is he? Well, finally he comes and he says, here I am. And, you know, when we say Christ, like I mentioned right then, a lot of people just think that that is part of his actual name. Right. It's like we would be saying President Biden. Right. Uh, Biden's first name is Joe. Right. Or Joseph, not President. Right. right? And so when we say Jesus Christ, and that's why in Scripture you can see Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. um, That is his title. And it is anointing when that is that's prophesied from years past, uh, and it points to his priesthood yep. of us and also his kingship right. as well. And so, yeah, as you were saying, they were looking for this perfect king, this perfect priest that would come and represent them before God. And so, when we say Jesus Christ, uh, it's it's this long story it absolutely it's invoking this long story of yeah. scripture and i always think about john the baptist sending his friends his disciples to jesus and saying are you the christ yeah and that was the question that the pharisees and the sadducees the jewish leaders were constantly putting to jesus mm-hmm. are you the christ and it's interesting that the demons identify him yep as Christ, what have you to do with us, Christ? You know, uh, yeah. So it, it, this title, this was the crux. This was the issue. Argue this one, and Jesus says, you know, John, go tell them what you've seen. Yeah, and he points back to the prophecies in Isaiah. Absolutely, and to the Pharisees. Do the blind see? Exactly. Did the deaf hear? Did right. the lame walk? Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Then the answer is yeah. yes. You answer your own question there. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so he is the prophesied one, the anointed one, the, the one who has come. Um, but if he is... Um, so it, there's a story of the blind Bartimaeus. Great story. Um, and you know it says that he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And that's when he was like, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that... This was the Jesus, because there was a lot of Jesuses in that day. Right. Common this name. was the Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and so it was, everybody knew that he was just a man at that point, because mm-hmm. they were interacting with him. The question was, was he divine? Yeah. And so that's what this next part gets at, his only son. Son. Yeah. Talking I, about the father. I think it's John Stott. Uh, he was a British Anglican theologian. I have a huge respect for him. Love reading his 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 stuff. But I think it's I think he is the one that makes the observation that where we have difficulty with the humanity of Jesus, we, we most of us don't have a whole lot of problem imagining or understanding him as God. Yeah. The first century, his disciples the Pharisees, the other folks that he was, Bartimaeus, the people that yeah. were there, they had trouble with his divinity because they could see him. Isn't this Joseph's son? Exactly. Exactly. But what he comes declaring very clearly is, is that I am. Yeah. And that was, and, and particularly John really fleshes this out more fully than any of the other gospel writers. 
But when Jesus says those statements, those I am statements, I think there's seven of them mm-hmm. in, in uh, the book of John, there's no mistake because that is, that's the equation, equating himself with God. That yep. is claiming that, uh, that kind of equality that's there yeah. is what makes them ready to kill him. Right. And so with one of the most famous Bible verses in the entire Bible, John 3.16, yeah. for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Right. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so, you know, we could get, again, deep in the weeds in the Trinity like we have before. Um, but what we want to bring out here is that um, this is the Jesus, not just some other Jesus, not our own formulation of Jesus. But we want to know the Jesus of Scripture, the one who was both divine and human and was the anointed one. Right. Um and and so yeah those are kind of objective statements like that is who he is but then this next phrase is our lord and that's so good yeah i love it again it gets back to the personalness of yeah. this yeah. uh it is universal he is the christ whether i believe it or not he is the son whether i believe it or not but he's he's my lord he's my lord and then within the context of community because as we do this in the context of our worship service one of the reasons we do this in our worship service is because it is a collective moment of declaration Mm -hmm. where all of us say he is my savior he is our savior and we have this belief together Uh, it's something that shapes me personally but it shapes the community that I am part of here uh, as well. Yeah, and just kind of doing a little bit of research for the Apostles' Creed or teaching it and such, uh, I came across somebody who was talking about just creeds in general and that it's likely in Scripture, uh, in the New Testament, the first Christian creed was Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's it. Right. And, and that's that was the, the fundamental statement of uh, Christianity in, in the earliest days that, that we can tell. Um, and yeah, so I mean, when we get to this point, we're talking about this is what it's about, right? He is our Lord. The president isn't dictator across the sea, isn't right. uh, no human is Lord, which except for Jesus in that first century context is hugely important because Caesar was Lord, yeah. That I mean, that's what they used to say Caesar is Lord, right? Curios, right. Um, and to state that Jesus was was pretty subversive. Yeah, it's a radical statement, and got a, got a lot of Christians in trouble with oh, yeah. lions and burnings and beheadings and all those kinds of things because they would refuse to say that Caesar is Lord. Yeah, all um, they would have to do is burn that little bit of incense, pinch of incense. That's all, and say Caesar is Lord and go about their merry way, and they would have been fine. Right, but they refused. Right, and so, so this. This is a statement that, like what you bring up, people have lost their lives. They have. And this goes again to this issue. I think we unpacked a little bit in our our introductory session with this, that belief always impacts life. Oh, yeah. And so this is not just some philosophical notion that we can put on paper and just kind of leave it out there. No, this directly impacts how we live our lives, and and very often it impinges upon our lives. Not so much for us here in the West. It's very easy for us to say, I believe. Whereas brothers and sisters around the world face incredible 
costs for daring to say that they believe. Do you want to bring up the new story about the man who did lose his life by quoting the Apostles' Creed? Yeah, there was a story that came out of Pakistan. Uh, I believe he was a Presbyterian pastor, in fact, if I recall correctly from the story. Um, But some Muslim extremists came to him, pointed a gun at his chest and said, recite the Muslim, basically the Muslim creed, I forget what they call it. But uh, And so in response, he begins, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son. And he was shot and killed for daring to stand firmly upon what he believes. That is the reality that really the majority, I would assume, of, of the believers around the world find themselves in, mm-hmm. that it is a life and death decision. Yep. Uh, of course, those of us who are in Christ would say it's a life or life decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does have those kinds of impacts at what cost. It's very easy for us here in the West, but for so many, it is not. I'll never forget having that conversation with our friends in the Oasis. And one of our one of our uh, partners there was talking about the fact that there were some young men that he was in conversation with that were very interested in Christ. And one had even gone so far as to say, I believe what you're saying, but I cannot profess that. I cannot say that because my family would send people from his home country, which was, you know, miles, miles away, mm. time zones away. But they would send people from that home country to where he was now to have him killed. Well, And you just think about the incredible courage that it takes to step forward and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, our Lord. We get tired of saying it after yeah, every service. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that oh, we could shut the podcast off right oh, now. It's, it's pretty that, tough. That would be good. Yeah. Um, well, let's keep going here. Uh, next part is conceived by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, John? Oh my goodness! That is that's of course it is reaching back to those passages in early Matthew and early Luke that talk about the visitation with Mary and you know her her role as uh, the uh, vessel through which Christ would be born. Um, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, the angel says that which is is in you is is you know is when the Spirit will come upon you. Mm-hmm. It says it over he over, overshadowed right her. yeah right so. You know, it was a divine um, pregnancy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but those are go, hard things to discuss. Well, going hard. back to uh, the the moment in Nazareth, is not this Joseph's son? Right. Well, kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's God's son. Yeah. Uh, and so to call him uh, God's son is... It's not just something that is uh, just theological, meaning it's not just something that, you know, God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit just living up in heaven. Uh, there is a, a physical aspect yeah. to all this. And there, there always was, is. There was human life yeah. that came from this. Yeah. Um, and that's... That's crazy. And it's this beautiful recapitulation, if you will, of that Edenic story where where God is now dwelling with men. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what John unpacks in that beautiful first chapter of his where you know he talks about the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. That it is this joining once again of heaven and earth in a very real, tangible lay hands. You right. know, and Jesus in his resurrected body says, Here are my hands, here's the wound in my side, touch them, you know, believe. No. And he's have you got fish to eat? You know, so there's this, 
he is no doubt divine, but he's also no doubt human. And that begins with this issue of the nature of his birth. It wasn't an ordinary thing. And we need to be clearly conscious of that because he's not just another man who got elevated somehow. He was, from his very conception, was uniquely 100% God and 100% man. Yep. Now, this is totally off the reservation. You ready for this? All right, let's go. In medieval paintings of the Annunciation of Mary, the the moment that the angel came uh, and announced uh, the the birth of Jesus to Mary, of what was uh, going to happen, uh, many medieval paintings included a unicorn in the painting with Mary. Well, you have walked off into a path I know nothing about at this moment. The unicorn was a symbol like the fish was for Christ in the medieval ages. Fascinating. I did not know that until pretty recently. I'm putting Go look them up. We can put some pictures of paintings of unicorns and Mary in the show notes. Uh, But... Yeah, I just thought that was really random. and I think that is a fascinating thing, and I'm going to have before. to go do some art history sleuth work now and uh, pick up on that. I'm going to call my friend Carol Douglas, who uh, has become my go-to art teacher, and ask her about that. Uh, yep. That's a fascinating thing. And, and that is a... To chase that rabbit for just a moment, that's something that we have largely lost because, again, those medieval folks would have picked up on that iconography that that right. idea here's what that means uh and that's just lost to us you know yeah. well, what's the unicorn doing in that um but to indicate this unique birth that's there that's fascinating i'm, I'm gonna have to do yeah. some sleuth work on yeah. that I, and there's there's studies on like a why unicorns and stuff like that but it's always in the paintings of the times when the angel came to mary to announce um, what was about to happen that is fascinating yeah and in many ways jesus is a unicorn there's yeah. not another yeah, so one like i don't him. know if that's yes yeah. i can't remember the, all the story behind that but Anyways, moving on, while we're talking about Mary, it says, born of the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. Now, why is this part so important? Again, I think it points to the unique nature of his birth, that it was not an ordinary birth, that it was not... Uh, this kind of thing that would happen naturally. Maybe they just got confused about something or they were hiding something. No, this, it was evident that uh, you know, Mary was virginal. Uh, she and Joseph, she, you know, even in her response to Gabriel when he comes and makes it, how can this be? I've never, I've not been with a man. I've not lain with a man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if she was going to become pregnant, it was going to be something that was outside the ordinary. And this points to this, that, that this is Jesus who is beyond, uh, it is supernatural. It's above the natural. It's something that's outside the natural course of things. But why is this in the Apostles' Creed? Why is this first tier stuff we're talking about here? You know, that, that's can, you, can you believe that Jesus was not born of a virgin? There are some who do, you know, but... I think it does get to this very clear notion that this was unique. This was there was nothing that that even compares to this. There's that it points again to that uniqueness of Christ. Yep. Um, and and in His birth, uh, even. You've got more. I see. Well, that. yeah, I'm trying to figure out how looking. many weeds we want to go into. <laughs> you have, uh, the just the. 
the perpetual virginity of Mary as well. And but you know, he but has other brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. So I, I think that that notion is out the window. I think our <laughs> Catholic friends are, are are you know gilding the lily a little a lot too much at that point. Uh, you know, because it's it's evident. It's not that she and and they were they're wanting to point to her as being sinless. No. You know, I, I think Christ died for Mary as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that even kind of goes to Simeon's statement that a sword will pierce your heart also. It wasn't only that she would see her son dying on the cross. I think there would be a stark moment of realization that he's dying for me also. Mm-hmm. Mm. So would you say that uh, Protestants, we, uh, even Baptists, have maybe overlooked the importance of Mary in the biblical sto- story as kind of a reaction to yeah. c- a Catholic doctrine about Mary. Yeah, we don't want to touch it. I mean, and even in this conversation, as you're listening, you're probably hearing the the tenet of this and how how difficult sometimes these kinds of matter because they are they're they're deep concepts, they're hard concepts to wrap our heads around, mm. but also because of where they have been taken sometimes, particularly within the Catholic Church. This whole idea of, you know, Mary as Theotokos and the you know, the deification, almost deification of Mary that is occurring there. Um, that's problematic. You know, it's, yep. it's not that she should be worshipped, she should be honored, but there is a veneration of her that is Beyond bounds. I so think. you're not going to pray to her anytime soon. Negative. Something. That's not going to be happening. Why? why you know, and that whole praying to the saints. Why would I pray to them when I can talk directly to the Lord? Exactly. You know? uh, that's that's you know. And they would say, "Well, isn't it great to have more people?" I agree. Yeah, let's have more people praying. But when I can go directly. But but let's just let's state right here that for anybody who thinks the Apostles' Creed is Roman Catholic, yeah, uh, there is nothing about this statement that would lead you to any Roman Catholic doctrine of Mary. Mary, that's right. Um, this is good biblical right. truth. And right. this is about Jesus. This is right. not about Mary. Mary is... Yeah, she is a very... She's a, she's a sub-point... Yeah, she's writer. a secondary player here. She yeah. was part of that. And, and again, not to demean her because what she did, you know, she should be honored. We should be grateful for her willingness to take on this incredible um, honor burden, uh, whatever you want to call that there. Um, she should be honored, but the Apostles' Creed is stating this is who Jesus is. Yeah. yeah. That he is extraordinary. There is not a, he is a unicorn. I, I, you, you've, <laughs> you've piqued my interest on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, born of the Virgin Mary, it is it is an important doctrine. And I think, again, this is one of the places that we as Baptists, we as Protestants writ large, have in many places thrown the baby out with the bathwater, not to strike a pun there on the birth of Jesus. But but <laughs> we terrible. we had isn't it though? Uh, but we have we've thrown out a lot of things that that can be and should be meaningful that we do need to recover to some extent and 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 remember. Yeah. Uh, reinvest with, I think. Yeah. That's good, John. What else you got? We're oh, kind of at the end of this. I, just that I believe it is. It is such a and, and your observation that it's not I do, but it's it's our belief. It is by faith that we're mm-hmm. saved. I, I that is an observation that is really it will stick with me far after we're done with it, this study. It is a cogent observation and uh, one that is 
has the ability to really transform our lives because that's what we're saying. This is what has transformed us because our beliefs invariably impact how we live our lives. Proclamation for the sake of transformation. I like it. That'll work. Yeah. He'll preach. Yeah, it will. It's going to preach. Why don't <laughs> It's got to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, uh, we will take a look at the next part of Jesus' life. This is just his yep. beginnings and birth, and we got to talk about the rest about Jesus. No doubt. In the next one. So until next time, we'll see you then. Talk to you then.